welcome to 216, Link to the Past Randomizer podcast. I am your host, Fury Gent, back with a Thursday episode. Today on the show, we have Oro. Had a really great conversation with Oro. Really loved hearing Oro's story and understanding things from their perspective. A lot of times I think I take for granted the idea that people have different perspectives on things, that people approach the game differently, that people have... That people have different just ideas on what they want out of the game. And hearing Aura's perspective kind of refreshed that for me. Put put it back into to a different perspective. So very excited to get to that interview. Uh, we'll get to that shortly. Since this is a Thursday episode and I've already recapped kind of what's been going on this week. Don't really want to go over any of that stuff. And, you know, reflecting back on the conversation that I have with Oro that you're about to hear. Just has me thinking about things just a little bit differently. The thing that I'm, I, it's kind of in my mind and, and taking up my brain space right now is measuring success and how easy it is to quantify success with wins and losses because it's easy. You win or you lose. And, and, and so if you win, you're successful and you lose, you're not. But I think especially with a video game that, you know, we're supposed to be doing for fun I feel like, and, and, I th- and I do believe this because I feel like I've been able to live it out a little bit more, is that I'm trying to find ways that I can measure success beyond the, win- beyond the wins and losses. Because it is randomizers. There's things that are out of your control. You can play really, really well and still lose a race. And so does that mean that the race was not a success? And does success always mean when like can you have can fun be the success and i think that's the question that i'm asking myself a lot lately and the answer has been yes is are you having fun are you enjoying the game are you enjoying the tournaments that you're playing and if you're not why what what would you do different like there are so many tournaments right now and i feel like there's a case of fomo of that feeling of missing out that when a new tournament comes up or the league comes up or whatever, that you have to join it because I don't want to miss out on this, this experience. But the question always needs to kind of go back to like, am I having fun? If, if, when I join the league, is it because I'm going to have fun or is it because I'm going to try to win all the games? And it can be a little bit of both, right? Like you can want to win and try to win, do your best to win. But if you don't win, does that mean the tournament or the league or whatever you're in wasn't a success? And can you gauge fun beyond wins and losses? Can you lose and still have fun? I don't have all the answers, but I do know that where I'm at right now, very different spot than I was a year ago. I can lose and I can have a good time doing it. I can be disappointed I lost, but I can stream and be with the people in the stream and have a good time and listen to music or listen to the MSU and try to make the best gameplay that I can. And the success of that seed, the success of that race doesn't necessarily need to be quantified by did I win or did I lose? For me, it's the competitive nature that I have inside of me that is always wanting to strive to be the best and win at whatever I do. And so can I have fun and not win? Can you have fun at this game and not win? Does it wins and losses have to be everything? And that's kind of why I've always envied people that can run this game not worried about the race aspect, not worried about whether I win or lose. 
I feel like whenever I play, I'm always having to race. I can't just do a seed on its own. And I, I'm trying to turn that around and try to change my perspective a little bit and say, no, I can just do this because it's fun and because I enjoy it. And I enjoy the people uh, that are hanging out in the streams that are uh, making it fun regardless of, of, of the outcome. So I think where I'm at, I'm just trying to have fun. I just want to have a good time. Like, I kind of want to put away all the baggage of what bullshit comes with wins and losses and tournament grinding and just see if I can continue to go with this upward momentum that I have of just enjoying playing the game. I did a couple of co-op retrans practices with my teammate and it was fun. Like I just had so much fun. And it kind of reminded me, like, I don't really care whether we win week four with this mode or not. We're just having a blast playing this game. And I think that's what's what's the most important. Are you having fun? So can you turn the knob from success equals win to success equals I'm having a good time? Because we don't get anything from this game. You get one tournament with SGL where you get a bit of cash if you win it. Everything else, you get the exact same thing as you do winning or losing, and that's nothing. <laughs> so can you enjoy the time you're spending playing the game? That's what I'm hoping for, for me and for everyone else that's listening. All right, enough of me, let's get to Oro. Again, I think a lot of what where my thoughts and feelings are can be expressed in this conversation that I have with Oro. And Oro isn't racing as much anymore. And they're kind of reevaluating, you know, the game and how they want to approach the game. And, you know, we're going to hear their story. But it has me thinking, like, am I having fun? Are we having fun doing this? Because that should be the ultimate goal. And I think the takeaway from this conversation coming up with Oro is that. Are we, are we having a good time? Can we have a good time doing this game? And do wins and losses necessarily matter? Yeah, enough of me talking about the conversation. Let's get to it. Here's Oro. All right, so Oro, you, uh, I, I believe I know some of your story. I know around the time you started playing the game, but I felt like you put you brought yourself to my community like very early on and have just been super awesome and, and are like a, a moderator on my channel and all these things. And I just love having you around because you bring so much positive positivity. And, uh, so I'm, I'm super excited to hear your story today. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here with, to talk with you. It feels like you started with the, with the mentor tournament. Is that right? Did you, did you start playing around that first mentor tournament or did you start playing earlier than that? Uh, I started playing a little bit like, like a few months prior to the mentor tournament, but that's when I sort of like dove into, you know, racing on SRL and stuff. I mm -hmm. uh, was the, the 2019 mentor tournament. Yeah. That seems like, uh, there's a whole class of people we talked like with Loria and stuff earlier about that that class and and how good that class has become but let's talk gaming let's go even further back let's talk gaming history what, what's your gaming history where did you what were you playing link to the past as a kid oh yeah um so i mean before i was born uh my dad had an atari 5200 
with like okay. four games. So I can remember playing that. And then when I was like three or four years old, we got an NES. And um, it's just been, that's been my history ever since. It's just Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. Man, the Atari stuff, I remember, I don't know if I, it was the 5200. I think it was the, the was it the 2400 before that? The 26. 2600. Yeah. So I remember going to my cousin's house and playing like Pitfall and Donkey Kong Jr. and stuff and just being like blown away at like the little joystick and the two buttons I think that it had. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, so the, 50 the 5200 was the one that had probably one of the worst controllers in console history. It had like a phone dial pad on it. Oh, wow. <laughs> if you can imagine that. <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't even, I don't know if I've ever played that or even seen it. That's crazy. I feel like the 2600 is the one that everyone is probably more familiar with. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, playing those early cartridge games is, were, were so much fun. Uh, and so it's awesome that you got to be a part of the the history of it all, right? Playing that first Nintendo. So what was your experiences? You said you were only like three or four, right? When when the first Nintendo came out or when you first got one? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the Nintendo came out the same year that I was born. Um, but okay. My family got, got one when I was like three or four. I can like, it's one of my earliest memories is my dad coming home and like, coming in through the garage door and saying something about having a Nintendo and <laughs> just like everyone going nuts. But mm -hmm. <laughs> that's my memory, at least who knows how much of that's just, you know, sure. Created, created memories in my mind as I kind of like think about Nintendo over the years. <laughs> sure. It just kind of like implants itself and then it becomes kind of fuzzy, but that the implant is still always there. I remember opening up for Christmas that the Nintendo with the Super Mario and Duck Hunt combo. And it's just like my world was forever changed <laughs> shooting those ducks and, and yeah. uh, jumping on Goombas and stuff. So yeah, we had one of the, we had one of the later ones where it came with Mario Duck Hunt and world-class track meet on one yes, cartridge. That's awesome. What did it have like the, the pad and everything? Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, those are great. It was early, I guess like a, DDR dance pads basically is, uh, you know, basically, yeah, do, doing track, track and field on these little pads. Uh, that, those things, the inputs always felt terrible, but I remember having a lot of fun as a kid with those. It's funny to think that Nintendo, even back then, was experimenting with other ways of playing the games, not just the regular controller, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they got their start as a or they kind of made their transition into video games from being a toy company. So mm -hmm. you can see a lot of the, the toy company DNA in some of their early products and even some of their current stuff. Sure. Sure. But they were always experimenting. I mean, like it was the, the Rob th robot thing and the, and the power glove and, you know, power they, glove wasn't Nintendo. That was Mattel. Oh, wasn't. Yeah. I'm pretty That's, sure I might be wrong. Wow. I did not know that. Uh, so where did you go from there? Were you, did you stay, stick with Nintendo as you grew up or did you kind of move on? Yeah. Um, so I stuck with Nintendo. I had a SNES and uh N64. Um, during that generation, I also got a PlayStation. Um, mm -hmm. but then after that I got a GameCube and a Wii and, um, I skipped the Wii U generation, but now I've got a switch. Mm. Okay. Uh, so what were you, were you playing on, uh, on SNES and which of the, of the Nintendos were your favorites? Um, I mean, some, I, I feel like all the obvious ones, but some of the weird ones that I like that I feel, um, don't get a lot of love are, um, zombies ate my neighbors 
and mm. um, Vegas Stakes. I'm not even familiar with that. I'm, I've I played Zombies in my neighbors. That was a fun game, but that yeah, one I'm not Vegas, sure. Vegas Stakes was like, you know, obviously it's like half like a gambling mini game kind of game. But it also mm. has like these RPG elements where like you're going and talking to people and like it's really, really weird. <laughs> this was on the and, SNES? Yeah, and the music's banging. Huh. Have you worked on the MSU for it? No. <laughs> uh, I, I've, actually, I've, only, I've, never, I've never even heard of this game. This is crazy. Yeah, I, I forget who made it. I think it was made by like Squaresoft or some some like more major company. Okay. Okay. So what was your experience with Link to the Past? Were, was that one of your favorites? I know you're also really into into Metroid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. for some reason, I just have a bit of a memory blank as far as playing Link to the Past when it was, like, current. Mm-hmm. Because most of my memory is of replaying it on the GBA version. Oh, um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I thought for some reason that I never beat the original game, but I actually have, I still have my original cartridge, and I booted wow. it up when I got into rando and I saw, okay, I've got a, the gold sword. I've got 18 hearts. I've got silvers. <laughs> I, I probably beat the game. That's awesome. That's crazy. You still have it. Do you still have your old systems as well? Uh, no, I've got eBay, eBay replacements. Mm, okay. Okay. Which Nintendo system is your favorite? That is really tough. Um, it's probably the SNES. Yeah. The catalog is just huge. Yeah, and and it's just there. There was that's when there were so many companies making so many good two D games at like mm-hmm. their peak. Yeah, and um, like it, you know when that design was just you know perfected. Mm-hmm. I think before I started playing Randomizer, I probably would have said N sixty four because when the Nintendo sixty four came out, I was like sixteen or seventeen, and Ocarina of Time and Super Mario sixty four were like pretty groundbreaking and kind of like lodged themselves into my memory banks of nostalgia, you know? Yeah. But after I've played, after I've gone back and played those games, it's not, it doesn't hit the same way that like the SNES games hit because I don't know, like they, the link to the past and Metroid and super Mario world have aged like a fine wine. Whereas like absolutely Ocarina time. It's good. I don't want to take anything away from it, but it's, controls are rough and it's just you know what i mean like it was yeah, revolutionary yeah totally and so yeah a snes is is just such a good system where did the love for metroid come from was it super metroid um i mean i liked i i played the original metroid i didn't own it but i had a friend that owned it that you know i went and played um at his house all the time you know i was a fan of the metroid series but actually kind of like my start that um really got me into it was the Smash Brothers series mm. because I kind of just fell in love with the play style of Samus mm-hmm. in Super Smash Brothers 64 and mm-hmm. then kind of, you know, it worked its way backwards where, you know, Metroid kind of became my favorite game series from the character being my preferred just play style. <laughs> That's funny. So then you go backwards and start playing the other games and like, oh, wait, I really actually love these games. Yeah. And, and another thing I... I, I've been following as a spectator the Super Metroid speedrun, like since it started. So I've always been like really in. I, I've never been into actually playing it because it's just I can't get that too much into it. But mm-hmm. I've always been a, a you know watching it since like you know two thousand two or so. You were watching speedruns in two thousand two. Yeah, when I when I got on 
um, you know, the college LAN, uh, I had, you know, I was able to download everything from uh, SDA archives. And Ooh. so I, I was just on there refreshing whatever the latest uh, VHS uploads were. That's awesome. <laughs> That's crazy. So you, you've been into the idea of speedrunning uh, from the get-go, it feels like, because it doesn't really feel like speedrunning became a thing until the 2000s or late late 90s, early 2000s, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it was definitely like niche. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of lurked in a lot of forums. I didn't really like interact or participate that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was cool. Did you have any interest in doing, in, into getting into the speedrun of it? I tried. I tried to get into... <laughs> I, I mean, I probably went about it the completely wrong way and, and like <laughs> set myself up for failure. Mm-hmm. But like I, I tried with an emulator in, you know, it was probably um, ZSNES with a keyboard, just trying to learn the tricks in Super Metroid, like one room at a time. Mm-hmm. A- and just like I, I didn't even get to Kraid and was just like miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I played on a controller or on a keyboard. That just sounds miserable on its own. Yeah. It, it was just like, I, I was like really wanted to, but it was like, I was in college. I didn't have my SNES. I didn't have mm-hmm. a way to actually play the game. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So when, when did you then discover like Twitch or maybe YouTube uh, let's play. Is there, what was your introduction to like live streaming? So f- I, w- I actually was, yeah, also watching let's plays, you know, back in like the 2000s, you know, the early 2000s as well. Uh, before where, YouTube. Though? Yeah. Like, cause YouTube obviously helped make that a, a more common thing, but where, where were you on the internet watching these Google video back before mm. Google bought YouTube was one place. Oh, okay. And I think, um, I think Vimeo is still around. Yeah. Yeah. They were. Are they that old? Vimeo is that old? Wow. Yeah. And and plus people would just um, compress the hell out of it into a WMV Mm. and you'd have like a a 20 megabyte video file that looked like a postage (laughs) stamp. But (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because sharing videos in the early internet days was not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess we going into the whole Smash Brothers thing, this in like 2005, 2006, the Smash Brothers scene online basically revolved around um what was called dc plus plus which is basically irc with a bunch of file transfer stuff built Mm -hmm. in so you could uh everyone would chat and share uh videos of tournament matches Mm. um and this was like before there was any other way to get these videos around wow were you, so were you competitive then were you attempting to be competitive at all in smash oh yeah that was from like 2003 until like 2005, 2006. That was my life. <laughs> was competitive. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. And all with Samus? Yes. Uh, I dabbled with Sheik um, sometimes, but primarily Samus. Mm-hmm. I haven't played Smash in a while. What, what was it about Samus that, that you dug? I don't know. She's just kind of a, I don't know. She's an interesting character because she's very heavy, but she's very floaty. Um, she's got very little um uh like wind down lag at the end of her moves but she doesn't have great follow-ups so i don't know it's just kind of like she just occupies this weird space um in melee where she's kind of good but kind of not and um (laughs) she has a lot of little tricks that you got to learn rather than Mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah i get that yeah so tell me about the competitive nature. What what was it like in the, in the early 2000s 
because it's not like it is now, right? Where you can, there's so many different online ways of playing against opponents and everything's so easily organized because the internet is more fleshed out in 2003 to 2005, you said. I mean, yeah. it's still, still yeah. a wild, wild west, <laughs> really. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you, you you played with whoever was within an hour drive, whether you liked them or not. That's, <laughs> if, they, if they were good, you'd play with them. <laughs> Is that what it was? You would just kind of have, like, a forum where you'd, like, meet up with people and, and, and kind of battle Yeah, we'd meet up on Smashboards or uh, chat on AIM. Wow. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's not, that's something I haven't thought about in a long time. Yeah. Those early AIM days, too. Man, uh, well, here's what I love, Oro, is you and I are older <laughs> and <laughs> experienced a lot of these things that are just like waves of nostalgia for me <laughs> that I, that yeah, I just have not yeah. thought about in so long. I mean, those early AOL you know, dial-up days and, you know, the the AOL instant messenger and as a teenager just like mess- God, messaging remember, my like, friends and stuff leaving away messages and like leaving song oh, yeah. lyrics or whatever and <laughs> yeah totally yeah i mean that, music sharing obviously was a very big one too in those early days with like napster and limewire and things like that so it was like mm-hmm. again the wild west just trying to figure out like how do i get my hands on all this music nowadays you have spotify and apple music and all these different you know pandora music apps that can you have every song at your fingertip, but back then it's downloading, <laughs> downloading the songs and burning them onto CDs because that's, uh, that's how we oh my consumed God, I our burned, music. I burned so many CDs over the years. <laughs> yeah. And, and people make playlists again now, nowadays, but I remember putting, like trying to figure out the best, you know, like I was like 56 minutes of music on one disc and trying to put together like the best mix of I I was songs. ahead of the curve. I got an MP3 CD player, which oh. it, it, you would store them as mp3s on the cd yeah it was like i don't know like seven hours of music or something yeah that 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 blew my mind when when it was a terrible terrible quality and it was like the first version so if you even looked at it funny it would buffer for 30 (laughs) seconds (laughs) man man again the nostalgia is just waving over me it's great (laughs) you were driving around you'd go over a bump and you're (laughs) yep skip. (laughs) yep totally yeah i mean i'm old enough to remember cassette tapes and like losing my cassette tapes because the the walkman would eat them and just kind of mean like shit out of luck you know um and then cds obviously had the same problem with with, like you're talking about with like the bumps but then if it gets too scratched or someone drops your cd or something like that and you're like ah i'm out of 20 bucks that cd was so expensive so being able to download all that music from illegally from the internet was uh was something so why did you stop playing competitive melee and you said in 2005 yeah um I don't really, I just got to be too much for me and I wasn't having fun anymore. Mm. Um, I felt like compared to the scene, I was getting less competitive and um, I don't know, I, I guess kind of like, I kind I tried to find a place in the scene that wasn't being uh, competitive and I tried mm. to like be a tournament organizer, oh, okay. but that didn't, that didn't really fit with my personality or way of doing things. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not organized so (laughs) sure i understand that it takes a a certain type of personality to run a tournament for sure so what did what did you move on to after that were you kind of like done with competitive games at that point or yeah i pretty much um kind of just played games casually Mm -hmm. from then did you move on to 
did you move on to anything else like PC gaming or like something on the Xbox or, or anything else? Or was it more just like, I'm just going to play stuff for fun because I enjoy it? Uh, I mean, the most recent like major released game that like multiplayer game that I got into was uh, Splatoon 2. Oh, okay. Uh, so recent. That's very recent. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So you said you were watching early Let's Plays pre YouTube. Did. Did that change when like Justin TV showed up? Were you around for for the early Twitch days? No, I never was on the early Twitch or early Justin TV. I think I got on Twitch in like 2014. So, do you remember how what what brought you there? Was it something from like YouTube or? Uh, it was the uh, Melee documentary. <laughs> oh, okay. What what what's this? So in 2014, someone released a documentary about like the golden years of Melee, which was like mm-hmm. the period when I played mm-hmm. and like a few years after then as well. And it like really like it both reinvigorated the scene because a whole bunch of kids suddenly were like, wow, this is so cool. And when did they get into it and started going to tournaments? Uh, but also a whole bunch of old heads like me were like, wow, this is cool. I remember the good old days. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's been nine or 10 years. I guess I can go play Melee again. Mm-hmm. And so that brought you to Twitch then? Yeah. So I started, you know, going to local stuff and watching Melee stuff on Twitch. And eventually I was just like, oh, I'm going to actually, you know, register an account and actually chat because that's what people are doing on this. Not, mm-hmm. I'm used to just like kind of passively sitting back and consuming, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're uh, you're the same age as me. We didn't have interactive television, right? <laughs> like you yeah. didn't interact with with the stuff that you're watching. It's just there, and uh, a whole new generation is growing up in a completely different way, where you you are getting exactly what you want, and you're able to to interact with the people that you're watching. So, what? How did you find Rando then? Through Splatoon Two, the uh, player Trinex. Uh, I played Splatoon 2 with him and uh, he kind of would talk about Rando as well when we were playing. And I liked Link to the Past. I loved, you know, dashing around in that game. Uh, and I kind of just started watching it. And the more I started watching it, I was like, wow, it's just like cool how the logic works and like how, oh, that can go there. And, mm-hmm. you know, just like all these ways that they can, that this mystery kind of is created and then unraveled uh, just it was really cool to me. Um, mm-hmm. So I like everything. I got into watching it, but not playing it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. So Trinex, you just randomly met through playing Splatoon. Uh, yeah. He was on this um, from the something awful forums. And so we were mm. on the, uh, the Nintendo discord for that uh, community. Okay. So I know that there's other people in the community that have come from something awful. I've never really heard of something awful uh, discord channel or what is it no something awful was an internet comedy site that was founded in 2001 and it had a forum attached to it um and it was sort of like i mean it was basically the reddit of you know 2001 it mm. was where like all the funny internet jokes came from uh right you know in the early 2000s okay um, so so like it's where all your base came from. It's where I don't know. Trying to remember some of the older ones. <laughs> if it's old, it's probably from there. Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And so these forums are lasting all the way up until. Are they still still going? Is it is it a place that people still hang out? 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it's actually kind of gone through just like a recent like change of hands where like the original site owner was uh, kind of a dick and becoming more of a dick as he got older. <laughs> sure, okay. Uh, and, and just he was completely distanced from the actual community that was using the forum. Uh, mm. So one of the moderators took over and it's kind of got like a little bit of a new life where it was kind of getting stale earlier. Mm -hmm. And people are still using forums in 2022. Yeah. Wow. I haven't used a forum in like, gosh, at least five or six years. The last one I joined because of, you know, like all the different ways of sharing information has changed. Discord obviously being a big one. Yeah. I gotta admit, I I've shrunk my forum viewing from like 90% of my online time to you know five percent of my time <laughs> yeah okay so there was an you said of an in, like a nintendo section of yeah. the forum yeah there, there was a, a discord specifically offshoot for the forum oh, for okay. nintendo yeah oh, okay okay and that's where you that's where the group of, of splatoon players you're playing with came from so one of them yeah. happened to be trinex over there who's a pretty exactly. prominent member of the of the community here who's actually going to be on the show this season yeah great dude um yeah totally he introduced you to the game and you start watching do you remember who you're watching early on i i was watching whatever was on the speed gaming 2018 main tournament uh the fall oh, main okay. tournament yeah 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 i so i didn't know anyone at all i was just watching whatever videos came up in the playlist <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and that, uh, that was the who's who, right, of 2018, because a lot of big names were, were in that tournament. Yeah, definitely. Like, a lot of them are either, like, names that are big now or names that, like, people that are new don't know. But the, the names that are big now would be like, oh. Right, right. A lot, of them, a lot of them have retired and gone on to do other things. And then a lot of them were brand new, myself included, and uh, have kind of risen uh, up in the ranks, I would get, I guess you could say. So how long are you watching before you, before you start at least attempting to play the game for quite a while? I think it was like in the spring. So it was like that I first tried to play a rando seed, um, mm -hmm. when it was like the previous, like September that I started hearing about it and watching it. Mm -hmm. What, what, what made you delay so long? Like you're watching it for, for quite a while. Did you not have an itch to, to attempt a seat? Uh, I don't think it was. It's it's just that's more my nature is to kind mm. of be. I, I like to kind of watch watch the outcome of speed runs, but I don't like, you know, I don't like I'm not a grinder. I don't like going into the mm -hmm. process of repeatedly running rooms to get them perfect. I like watching someone that's already done that. Sure. <laughs> but I don't know, just the puzzle aspect of Link to the Past randomizer intrigued me so much. And also the randomness and the gambling and just everything about it just kind of overcame my sort of natural <laughs> inertia. Right. You're, like, you're resisting the urge to even want to really play because it's not necessarily in your nature. And it, the game is just too good that it, you can't handle it anymore and you, you got to pick it up. So yeah. how long are you playing before you do your first race? Not too long. Um, I... I do my first couple of seeds just by myself offline. Um, just like roll the seed completely um, that I didn't, that no one else ran. Um, mm -hmm. And then there was a, on something awful, they had a, like an async going on mm -hmm. for a while. 
And so I would pay, participate in that every week for a little while. That was always at the bottom or near the bottom. <laughs> sure. Um, and then in like, I think like June or July of maybe, yeah, probably June of 2019, I got onto SRL and started trying to do just, I started trying to do just Triforce hunt races at first because mm. I was too scared to race like in full open mode. <laughs> sure. Were you having luck finding tri hunt, tri Triforce hunt races? Yeah. People were doing them back then. Wow. Yeah. It definitely, you know, post ladder, post race time, things were a lot different um, racing on, on uh, You could ping for any mode at that, at that time and you'd get one or two people interested. Yeah, 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 it was way different. Now everyone's just waiting to do the ladder or to do their tournament race. Occasionally you'll get pings in the Discord for like the dailies or a random pickup race here and there, but it's, you know, was way different in 2019. Or like so, the, the, the random pings that come an hour after ladder, they're just like, I just miss ladder. Anyone want to do right. entrance? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so uh, how did you find the mentor tournament? And when did that when did that happen? And what kind of got you to join that? It was purely by luck. It was um, like, I think the final week that the mentor tournaments uh, signups were going on and someone in the something awful um, rando discord said, oh, you know, I guess I'm going to be a mentor. I'm going to try to be a mentor in the mentor tournament. And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? What's the mentor tournament? Because like, I'm a new player. I like tournaments and uh, I'm into this game. <laughs> mm -hmm. So suddenly I'm like, wow, this sounds like it's exactly up my alley. And um, so, yeah, I get I get more information. I joined the Go Mode podcast uh, discord and there's they had still had they still hadn't reached the 32 person cap. They think they were just like at 30 people at the point time or something. Right. And this is the first class, right? This yeah. is the first time they're running the mentor tournament. I think Leora was in the second class. Um, That's right. So this is 2018. Who's in this class? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, so it was Amerith and Black Wax and Verts and mm. Tyler Salt um, and Bumrush Blitz, uh, Lady Box Thief, uh, the Daddy Gamers. Those, those are the, those are the ones that come to mind. But you know, yeah. there's 32 people that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't need all I'm, I'm sorry if you're listening, and I. Uh... <laughs> but it feels like you kind of found a. Uh, uh, a group of people in that class that kind of became your, your kind of like core friend group. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like the people that stuck around in the go mode, uh, community after that year, really like the, the class of night 2019, I don't know. It, it really kind of just kind of became like its own kind of group feels mm -hmm. like. Yeah. Very similar to what happened in 2020 with the, with the 40 bonks. It felt like you and Amerith and a few others, Kind of became yeah, and that that, that was an even even bigger scale in twenty twenty. Right, right, yeah. But you kind of, I mean, you and Amerith have, have kind of gone hand in hand since that tournament. I, I associate the two of you a lot, uh, you know, a lot because you you do a lot of things together. But also, you ended up teaming together in the league. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. It, like like most things in life, I think me and Amerith teamed just because of happenstance. Um, you know season two of league was starting up and I really wanted to participate, but I didn't have a team and I just kind of posted into something awful discord. It's like, Hey, does anyone want to, uh, make a league team? And I, all I knew, I, I knew Amerith was a new runner like me and that was about it. But, uh, she said, 
that she would. And, um, you know, luckily we became really good friends after that. Yeah. So Amaris was also hanging out in the, uh, in the something awful discord. Yeah. I think she was invited by someone that was, I don't think she was actually on the forum. Oh, okay. I see. I see. So shortly after the mentor tournament, I think league season two starts, right? Right. Okay. And you joined. No, no, with... no, that was no. Um, that was the next year. League season one starts shortly after the mentor tournament. Oh, okay. League season one. Okay. And I was, and I didn't participate in that cause I didn't hear about it until it was like halfway sure. through. I mean, it was, it was a very small group that first season that, but you know, I, I watched a whole bunch of the league matches and got super into watching it. I just loved the idea of it so much. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously a fan of it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you uh, attempt to qualify for tournaments? Like where, where, where are you at? as far as, as racing goes now that you've done the mentor tournament? Well, before actually before that, tell me about your experience with the mentor tournament. Honestly, I think there were a lot of problems with the structure of the mentor tournament in 2019 that were fixed in 2020. Sure. Uh, and I was, I was kind of the bearer of the, uh, the, you know, kind of bad part of that structure and that I went zero two in the tournament and was out. Mm. So you don't really get much mentoring in the mentor yeah. tournament. So it was like, you know, just getting my feet wet and it's like, all right, yeah. you're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That kind of goes against the idea of what a mentor tournament should be of like, no, yeah. get into the, into the modes and play a bunch and get a lot of learning in. Yeah. Yeah. But the Swiss system that goes into the four brackets now is so good. So they really um, sure. addressed that. And then some since then. Yeah, yeah. It's just too bad that I had learning. to go zero two. <laughs> right. So you didn't get much of an experience then in, in that first mentor tournament. Yeah. I mean, I had more mentored practice races than I had in the tournament. Wow. <laughs> much more. Wow. That's interesting. I did not know that. So where do you go from there? Are you entering tournaments? Are you doing lots of dailies? What yeah. When... When the mentor tournament was finishing up, the second Plando tournament was just getting started. Is that the um, one that so still I, hasn't finished? No, that was the third okay. one. Oh, okay. This okay. is the second one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the one that uh, Dante won by okay. just... Uh, Dante won it by putting um, the lamp in GT Big Chest right after... the. It was the very first patch where that was possible because you could beat Eastern without the lamp. Mm, I see. I see. So the Plando tournament, you didn't actually Plando a whole seed, right? Can you tell me what, what you do? No, you, you get, um, it depends on like what the rules or what the mode are, but you get like one or two plants that you secretly give to the seed roller and the seed roller makes sure that first that you and your opponent don't pick the same items. If you do, then that item's locked out and you can't repick it the next time. So if we both try to put the boots um, somewhere I try, I put the boots somewhere easy. You put the boots somewhere hard, then we conflict on the boots and we can't place the boots in the next round of picks. I see. And then if there's a logic bomb, like say I try to put the flute on in tower of Hera and you put the lamp in paradox cave, that's not a direct conflict, but you know, that's not going to roll. Um, right. So then it's, it doesn't log out either of the items, but it goes back and says, repick. So you can resubmit the same picks again, but you might keep bombing like that. Get lucked up, yeah. I see. So how did that go? I've never played in a Plando. 
I've heard things about the way it was ran that haven't been the most positive. Like that's my only real takeaway from the Planet Tournament. I don't even know who's in charge of it, but how yeah. how did that go? Yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of the way that the second Planet Tournament was ran. Um, but I think it's an interesting take on the randomizer um, where I, it's just kind of like a, it turns it into a partial information game where yeah. each player has information that the other player doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how that can change things. Um, I just I don't think that I don't, I don't think that the Plando uh, concept has been explored properly by the community. Right. Because what you just explained sounds really cool. I actually like the sound of that, um, but I, for some reason, have never joined any of those again because of word of mouth on how the tournaments were ran. Um, how'd you do in that tournament? I went zero six. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tournament's not starting great for you. Oh and two no. in the tournament. Oh and six in the Planet tournament. But you're still relatively yeah. new, right? This is yeah. I mean, still this, this early is, in your rando days. Yeah, this is like kind of my first six months of uh, competitive rando. Yeah, that's hard to do. That's hard to do and just jump in and, and be successful right away. Um, yeah, and, and the plan is tough because, you know, when you're still learning the logic, people can put some pretty tricky things that you just, as a noob, don't realize that. Right, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Or there's uh, like skips where like, oh, it was a big thing was um, in that Plando tournament too was, who knew, knew how to uh, skip Aga to get Hammer and Pyramid Fairy? Oh, with, with a bomb, like the the, the uh, bomb with, with dupe or whatever? The, yeah, like who was able to pull that off became like a skill to have mm. by the people that were good. Yeah, I can also see why this tournament would be awful at the same time. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah. A mix, it's a mixed bag. I think that it needed to be balanced better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. So again, so this is the end of 2019-ish, right? Yeah. Okay, so going into 2020, the pandemic happens and everyone's stuck at home playing video games. Are you playing more rando then? Oh, yeah. that Like, it consumes me then. <laughs> yeah. And that's when season two was? Is that right? Yeah. Season two and three were in 2020, I believe. I think they ran twice that year. So you, so season two sign up start, you Amerith and who was the third that, that first season? Uh, Hobo Jim. Hobo Jim. Okay. Were you able to sign up in the first forty two seconds of season two or whatever it was? No, Amerith was in charge of signing us up, and she took a little bit too long trying to get. Um, she was trying to upload our banner. And the oh, uh, didn't oh, ha- yeah. wasn't able to get it attached. <laughs> so news goes out that. League signed up, you know, the, I think we went to 32 teams or I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it was 32. It was 32. And then you expanded to 60, 64, I think. Yeah. So, so you were excited for, to join the league and then a whole bunch of teams that wanted to join after less than a minute, weren't able to join it. I'm guessing you were pretty bummed. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I was super upset because I don't know. I was looking like I got into league uh, like I got into rando at the same time that Re- league was starting and like league was the first sort of rando event that like really sparked my imagination. Um, and uh, I don't know. It was just, it was very disappointing that 
when uh, I wasn't able to get into the first 32 teams. <laughs> yeah, that sucked. I, I I was not expecting that to happen. Like, I, I didn't know how, how like, because I know from an admin standpoint, like, what are you going to do? Yeah, it was. I mean, we thought doubling the sizes of the league would be fine, right? We went from 16 to 32. That seems fine. And then, it, you know, signups happened in 40, I want to say it was like 47 seconds. And we were full. And it was like, what? we were freaking out like what 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 do we do like all these people want to play and we had like a voice call and you know i was the only admin at the time too and it was it was weird so we do expand there was a a call for like ridley dragon to maybe do a challenge league (laughs) right yeah like we didn't know what to do it was a crazy time so uh, you know we expanded from what we prepared for of 32 teams to 64 i didn't even know what what we were doing and you're able to get get in. Tell me about your experience in the in the first season of the league. I don't remember it that much. Um, I think I was in the same group as uh, the spoilers, and we had them for spoiler week and got mm. absolutely trounced. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. I think one of the uh, the things about season two that was you know something that we hadn't anticipated and we figured out in season three and four was like the the separation of the invitational and the open because it was mixing everybody in one group and and when you do that you have so many varied skill levels that some of you know you and amareth and and hobo jim were new (laughs) and you are playing against you know one of the best teams and and, and you always kind of talk about like the the origins of the league and how i don't know it was kind of humble but like I guess inadvertently, the people that you were friends with that you invited to the first season are sort of a who's who right. of, yeah. of Rando now. Like that, yeah. I would yeah. say that, you know, like 80% of the people that participate in season one are still heavy hitters today. And if they're not, it's because they don't play anymore. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, season two was was a mess, but it was a fun mess and it kind of like, you know, helped grow the league. And I feel like everyone had fun. Did you enjoy it? Was it what you were expecting? Like when you had this excitement to join the league? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a great time. So you actually had a pretty successful that season that year went four and two. Your team ended up five and nine, but again, you had like kind of rando retired in your, in your division. You had the spoilers in your division. You had some, some really, I like big boots in your division. That's those, those are three really tough teams right there. The Canadians. Yeah. yeah. So main tournament doesn't happen season uh, in 2020, but season three happens for the league. And I forgot to mention your name is Swedish Rubbers, by the way, which was <laughs> a, an excellent name. Can you explain why why, why Swedish Rubbers? Uh, so there was a Swedish website that sold uh, like video game console parts. Uh, mm-hmm. And they had, you know, replacement rubbers to replace like the D-pad and b- buttons for your SNES <laughs> controllers. Uh, and yeah. they were just like the best on the market back then. Um, so I had a, a set and Amerith had a set and we were just like, hey, let's call ourselves the Swedish rubbers. And kinda, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it sounds funny. Yeah, it is. Sounds funny. It's hilarious. And it's uh, it was really good. So you run it back for season three. What was your expectations kind of going into season three is now your I believe this was the first season of the Invitational in the Open and you're now more experienced as well. Yeah, I don't think I hadn't I didn't have any expectations as far as um, at that point trying to make it into the invitational. Just like I hadn't been, you know, I, I was still fairly new to like cross keys and stuff at, like that mm. at the time. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, like 
I felt comfortable in an open seven seven seed, but like the more advanced modes in the league were still kind of, I don't know, a little sketchy at that point. Sure. So, you know, season one, you, you went four and two, had a really good season. Season two or, or season three for you was a little bit tougher. You went two and three and your team finished four and 10. But again, record isn't as important as if you're enjoying what you're doing. Right. And at this point, you're still enjoying playing Rando in, in, in the league. Yeah, absolutely. So you joined as a restream mod, right? No, I was not a mod. I was just a, oh, restreamer. Just a restreamer. Okay. But it felt like you took some leadership and maybe it's because you were doing more restreaming in season three. I feel like the league specifically the league channels that um, you and Amerith kind of oversaw really yeah, got a bump in I quality. Kinda, I, I kind of got into, I, I just volunteered for every restream that I could. Mm. Um, I was working from home mm-hmm. and so I, you know, it was something that was very easy to do while I was, you know, otherwise on my laptop you really, as a restreamer, don't need to pay attention to the actual match. You just have to make sure that, you know, all the bars are green. Right. Yeah. You, you let everyone else do the stuff. You just kind of push the buttons and make sure it all works. Uh, but having said that, a good restream for me when I was a part of the league was super important. Like, I'm very meticulous in how I like things done. <laughs> Which is like a good yeah. thing and also a bad thing. And so like I didn't want to put on shit shit restreams. Like I wanted the league restreams to like stand up to like the stuff that, that Speed Gaming did. But at the same time, I didn't know how to do restreams. So it felt like you and Amerith, and I think with the help of Sigma as well, kind of turned it into the quality of restream that it is. Yeah, I, I think Amerith has to take a lot of the credit for that. Um, I've, I've just kind of been a little bit of a technical support to her. Yeah. Are you, you're, do you write code and stuff for a living? Is that what you do? Are you a, yeah, I'm a programmer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I see you have things here and there kind of that, that, that have helped like the league grow like in season four, when, when Sigma and I worked on the website, a lot of the backend restream and stuff, I, I feel like you kind of helped with again to make, mm-hmm. make restreams work even better. Yeah. I like kind of had had this like project in the back of my mind that like, I've sort of been starting and stopping and not really getting anywhere of um, kind of turning the script that I wrote for League into just like its own sort of like jank restreaming package mm. that makes it easy for anyone just to set up a restream. Mm-hmm. But it's just a, a you know, a, a tough, a tough motivation. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Like starting, like having the idea and then like con- finishing it off can be tough because there's life happens, right? Like you get busy or whatever. But, um, so you mentioned earlier that, you know, like the admin role wasn't really, or tournament organizer wasn't really your, in your personality. Did that, has that continued on as you've been a part of the community? Cause you're not like on the council and you're not like an an admin or, or, or necessarily a mod for, for a lot of like tournaments or anything, but it does feel like you're everywhere. Yeah. I guess like, Anytime someone asks me if I want some sort of, you know, authority or position or responsibility, especially if there's responsibility attached, I'm going to turn it down. Mm. But I guess like I'm just kind of chilling in a lot of people's chats. So just a lot of people just make me their mod <laughs> or make, make yeah. me one of their mods. Yeah. And so like, you know, it, it when it's like that, I'm kind of chill. But like, you know, I've been approached and asked by some 
communities to be part of their admin team. I don't know if mm-hmm. I should name names, but it was just, I don't know. I, I turned it down because like, I kind of see myself as just like a natural shit poster and like having, you know, a little star or sword next to my name <laughs> in a big community like that, you know, with like, you know, more than 10 people watching just d- didn't seem like it would fit with me because I would just say something dumb and it would. Do you really see yourself as a shit poster? Because I see you everywhere and I never oh, yeah. have thought of you as a shit poster at all. I, I totally see myself as a shit poster. Really? Yeah. Oh man, I, guess I don't know. Maybe, maybe we have like, maybe we have a different definition of shit poster. Yeah. Well, so what's your definition? What what is a shit poster to you? Just someone that posts the dumb things that come to their mind. Hmm. See, I think of a shit poster of someone who's more of a troublemaker who like caused like has very strong opinions and is like constantly either. See, I, I would I would say that's a, about a, a shit a shit talker. That's the oh, okay. I would say that's a shit talker, not a shit poster. Okay. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we're definitely seeing it in, in a different light. Uh, yeah, I guess I could see you then as a as a shit poster. You're definitely not a shit talker, that's for sure. Um so so you go into season 4 uh still in the open, but you have a hell of a season. You go from Swedish Rubbers to one of my favorite names, Zelda and Chill, with an excellent logo by the way. Um <laughs> And you have a really a really good season going nine and five making the playoffs. Yeah, we had a, a very fortunate season. Um, I would say a lot of uh, breaks went our way. Um, a lot of fifty fifties where it could have gone either way went our way. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so Hobo Jim's gone. I don't know if he left the community or stopped playing the game or whatever. But you bring in Darity and Oro. You had a hell of a season, eight and three. Holy shit. Yeah, it was a pretty good. I, I feel like I really, really overperformed that season. <laughs> I mean, this. I don't know. You, you and Merith and you and Darity take uh, 2-0 over the long shots. You have a win over the, the hovering sick kids. You win over But We're Still Buddies, which was a former uh, invitational team. Uh, that was a yeah. seven-second win, which is one of those things where I say, hey, that's, you know, the ball could go either bounced, way. On, bounced on the rim and it happened to go in the net. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all that matters, right? It doesn't really matter if, uh, if it, how it just matters if it does. Um, so you make it to this conference semifinals against JK LOL, who I feel like you're all friends with. Uh, Oh, totally. That, yeah. That and, was a fun set. Yeah. And the winner of this seed gets qualified for the invitational for season five. What was it like going into that until last uh, the, the the semifinals there? Uh, I definitely saw it as the end of the road already. Like I I don't know I I saw it every single I, I don't know the, the entire it's hard to say because it it really felt like our league season was going to end like every single week um, and it just kind of <laughs> kept on extending by one more week. But it really mm-hmm. felt like we were not going to get past JKLOL. Yeah, so it looks like Amerith lost to to Jesse. You got a win over Kaysden, and then Darity lost to Leora, and you, you ended up losing the rematch to Kaysden. But yeah, fun series. It was, yeah, it, it, it was actually the last race was kind of a bummer because, um, I don't know, I just got, it, was, it was Swordless, which is one of my favorite modes uh, nowadays, but I kind of had a bad death to Blind, and then mm. in the rematch, I went and I... Um, beat him with the can of Samaria 
And out of frustration, I just started spamming the can of Samaria as the uh, um, item was dropping. Mm -hmm. And I guess I did whatever uh, Ancilla stuff they do in low percent to delete the heart containers oh. because the crystal didn't come. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man, that is rough. So I, I was... I had to reset my game and I lost like 30 minutes of progress and like I already had a boss death. So it was just, uh, you know, when yeah, I was that's like, a rough I'm, at, way to go I'm at the bottom of a pit and it's like, this is like an hour into the seed. I've still got like 30 or 40 minutes until Kazden finishes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always the worst feeling when you know that you've lost because something major has happened like that. And do I continue? <laughs> I've given up. It's like something <laughs> equally major would have to happen to Kazden. And I, I kept playing on the chance that something major happened to his game too. Yeah. 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 That's rough. So it was on restream. Uh, so I kind of had to keep playing. I felt, Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. So wh where, where does the future hold for, for you? Where, where are you going from here? Because I haven't seen you after the you know the end of season four, I haven't seen you you racing a lot. Yeah, um, I don't know. I've been struggling with uh, my mental health, um, you know, my entire life. But it's really been um, kind of a, a insidious spiral since the mm -hmm. pandemic. Sure. Or just like I've been stuck in my own home and stuck in my own head. And mm -hmm. like stuck in my own depression and, you know, just kind of yeah. like some days just losing the will to like get out of bed and like do anything. And um, right. so, you know, I've been kind of working through that mostly this year. I'm glad to hear that you're working through it because that's way more important <laughs> than the silly <laughs> game um, is making sure, uh, you know, attempting to, to get yourself healthy mentally because... I mean, as you've heard me talk about on the podcast, it's super important to me. And uh, I'm glad to hear that you're attempting to work on it. So hopefully there's ways that that I can encourage you and others can encourage you and, and find ways to help you to get through this. So are you are, do you think you're done playing Rando for a while then? Uh, no, it seems like I'm going to sign up for uh, the next season of League. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear that. OK, so are, are, is it, uh, Zelda and Chill is going to be coming back? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm actually very glad to hear that. So do you feel like you're in a better space now that you've had some time away to, to play again in, in October? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm just going to be, I don't know, it's, it's mostly, it's not really the, I don't know, it's not the same as you where it's like the disappointment of losing that gets to me. Sure. Um, it's just that like, I don't know, I'm, my house is a mess and it really needs to get clean and I shouldn't be playing video <laughs> games with such a messy house is basically, you know, I, I just feel the weight of all these things sure. that I'm not doing and not getting right. done. I completely understand it. It feels like you're, you're putting the video game over stuff that maybe should have a more of a priority, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's balance, right? It's trying to find the balance between that because you do have to take time to do things that you would enjoy. And I know that you enjoy rando. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I've done is I've gone through a reset and, you know, hopefully I'll have a, you know, more balanced approach to the game. I think I have a, um, you know, a healthy expectation as far as, you know, how much I, I don't plan on doing a lot of practice. So I have a healthy expectation mm -hmm. as far as how my performance is going to go. Sure. So, you know, 
Oh, I, I think that's really good. Have you been playing other games um, besides Rando in this like downtime? Uh, not a whole lot. I played uh, Metroid Dread when that came out. That was oh, okay. amazing. Um, yeah, I, I'm not, I know how much of a Metroid fan you are. I just have never really played a lot of Metroid, so it doesn't have that same sort of like nostalgia for me. Have you gotten into SMZ3 at all? Uh, I've played two seeds, but the Super Metroid side is just, I don't know, it. both the fact that I'm not very good at Super Metroid and it's possible to soft lock and there's like mm. all these little gotchas and it's also a very long speed run. Like that's one of the things about Link to the Past randomizer that I could get into was the fact that like once you're good at it, a, a normal seed's like an hour and a half to two hours at worst. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's, that was one of the biggest draws for me is that I don't have to spend, you know, usually more than two hours playing, playing the game. And then I got into cross keys a few, few years later and all of that went out of, out of the window. But uh, yeah, like the length of some of the other randomizers has always been a, a bit daunting. Do you see yourself moving into any other roles or or any other parts of the community? Like, have you ever had a desire to do like the council work or anything like that? Not the council, but I kind of kind of see like myself in the wanting wanting to have the same sort of role at that sigma said um as being a facilitator um mm. you know i would like to build something that someone else then runs yeah i get that 100 because you know that's that's where i am with the league now where i i'm more excited to play the league this season than i have any other season because i have nothing else attached to it other than playing yeah so i totally understand all right so we got a couple couple questions from from the discord that i like to ask everyone when when i get a chance um and you know the tilts question is going to come uh, as <laughs> the pressure's well on for that for a good answer to that one <laughs> it doesn't have to be a good answer it just has to be your answer i think whatever your answer is going to be great um but who are some of the people that that you look up to in the community um i mean i look up to um you know, the community organizers, the uh, people like um, like Sailor Nep, who was the organizer of the Something Awful randomizer community, and Timp, who's the organizer of Go Mode, and CJ, who's um, sort of the leader of 40 Bonks. And, you know, you've kind of built the league, and now you're building the 216 podcast. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Sinak is also just like an amazing guy that, like, it's hard to imagine what the uh, randomizer scene would mm. look like without Senac. Totally. It, I think it would be like 10 people because that's the amount of seeds we'd be able to roll. <laughs> yeah. The work that Senac done has done is without question, probably the most important aspect in the last couple of years of Rando for sure. Did you ever have a moment where you said, huh, I'm actually good at this game. And if you had, as the feeling lasted, I don't know. I guess I'm going to answer that a different way. I'm going to say it feels really cool when I do icebreaker that I can do it a bit faster than most people do. I, mm. Like that kind of thing just kind of feels like I don't finish the seed faster, but like little things like that, I feel like I can do better than the average person. Sure. Yeah. I wish I could do icebreaker faster. I feel like my icebreaker just keeps getting worse and worse. What's your saltiest moment in Rando? That's a tough one. Um, saltiest, it, probably uh, that match that I was talking about earlier against Kaysden, where I had both the mm. boss death and the, the 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 time loss due to a crash that I caused. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I, I need to go back and check that out. That sounds bananas. All right, before the tilt question, um, do you have a most memorable race? And was it because of the seed or the situation? Most memorable race? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. you. It feels like you... Like there's the the level like me, I love the competition. Like the competition like really fuels me when I play this game. But it doesn't feel like you have that same sort of drive. Like you it feels like you enjoy the game for what it is, not necessarily because we're racing. Would you say yeah, that's I mean, a, a fair it's definitely complicated because I do enjoy the competition and the racing, but I kind of enjoy it more as a spectator. I think it's more interesting. Mm. Like I'm not a, I didn't participate in the cross keys tournament at all, and I think it's been so interesting just week by week hearing who's paired up against who and what everyone's record mm-hmm. is and yeah um i i don't know it's some, a lot of stuff i like just to to kind of observe from the outside like that sure yeah i totally get it um all right so the the the, the question that's you know i ask everyone how do you handle tilt well i guess um i kind of look at it like as poker where a lot of it's going to be dependent on probabilities mm-hmm. and um, you know, you can make the mathematically correct decision and, and still lose in poker. Mm-hmm. And that's just a reality that you have to get used to. And I think it's something that to get really good at poker, you have to like really kind of like completely like Zen, like absorb that concept that like losing is a part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause in, in poker, you can't expect to win every hand. That's impossible. Right. You're, if you just raise every single time, eventually someone's going to have pocket aces and take you down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of see racing and randomizer like that. Like, yeah, like you can improve your execution and improve your routing and improve your chances. But it's also there's, you know, I think one of the good things about the game, especially in an open seven, seven is that there is luck to it. I think one of the things that you have to think about is like you're bringing like in determining who's going to win the game, you're bringing 40% to the equation. Your opponent brings 40% to the equation and the randomizer brings 20% to the equation. Mm -hmm. So your total effect is less than 50%. Um, You know, your opponent, you're playing against the randomizer and your opponent. So, you know, you kind of, I don't know, just kind of, uh, I wish I could explain it better. I know. I, I get what you're saying. Understand your situation and know that a lot of it is out of your control. Right. And just accept that. And like, yeah. you, you know, because like, if you get mad that I found the ocarina and it took me to pendant Meyer where there was nothing, mm-hmm. uh, whereas my opponent did Smith chain because they didn't find the flute uh, and got the TR medallion. Mm-hmm. It's like that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Move on. Next yeah. hand. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's that's great advice and something that I feel like I, I've been learning as well. So yeah. Oro, I just want you to know you're one of my favorite people and I love having you in the community. And having you in my streams helps me not get as tilted. I, I can't say that I don't get tilted, but having you there and like be encouraging and just being the person that you are helps me and I love having you in the community and in my chat and just who you are. I think you're awesome. So thank you so yeah, much I, for doing I, the show. I always, I always try to just be a, a balancing force when just uh, just whenever just to be on the balancing side of the equation, whether 
something's getting too bad or too good. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. And you shit post when I need to be shit talk to you as well. And I like that. <laughs> so, so it's a good balance, as you say. Uh, thank you so much for doing the show. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Big shout outs again to Oro for coming on the show. Really loved hearing their story, how, how there's a lot of similarities uh, between the two of us and how there's a lot of differences too. I just love getting people's perspective on the game and just their life in general. Oro talked uh, a little bit about, you know, working on their mental health and on the show, I've talked about that quite a bit. And if you're struggling with that, reach out to someone that you know in the Discord, someone in real life, to find ways to help because, you know, mental health is is so important and is so overlooked. So just know that you're cared about and loved and we'll have people around, even here, drop me a DM and uh, and we could chat because, you know, mental health is, is the most important. And this game can sometimes wreck it if, again, we're focused not so much on wins and losses. So, loved having Aura on the show. Uh, let me know what you think in the Discord. We're going to be back Monday with Matt7898. And Matt7898 has a different perspective than Aura than a lot of different runners. Matt's like a straightforward, no bullshit type of dude. We'll tell it just like it is. And he's very, very good at the game. So, again, a completely different perspective. And uh, that's why I love doing 216. By the way, he's really funny, too. So... Excited for you to check that out. That will be on Monday. Uh, this Saturday, again, we have the 216 Weekly. Saturday at noon Eastern. We're doing Potpourri this week. So kind of a fun ladder mode. Check that out. I'll be restreaming that on uh, my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash fearagent underscore. Can join the Discord. 216pod.com has a link to that, as well as my Twitch and the YouTube. You can subscribe to the show anywhere. Apple. Spotify. Leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts really helps the show out. I've neglected this, but we do have six ratings on there, so that's cool. Four reviews, and uh, I'm going to read them right now. Double the podcast, double the fun. That's from Lucian Greeth. I believe that's in uh, reference to Go Mode. Uh, Sam Cluck 777 says, Fear Agent is so friendly and chummy. He's like the best person to host a podcast about interviewing ALTTPR folks. Can't wait for the next episode. Thank you for that review. Never been referred to as chummy but i'll take it <laughs> i like it uh dr earworm says so excited for more content about this community glad to have doc a part of this community as well and then hawk 59 said beer has created a podcast here that not only gives an amazing insight into some of the biggest names in the alttpr community that i'm just now getting the pleasure of knowing but makes it an amazing listen as well the conversational style is perfect give this a listen whether you play link to the past or not is really just a great show thanks for your keep it up thank you hawk for that awesome review really appreciate the reviews again apple podcasts is the place to leave the reviews if you can just help the show get out there a little bit more so again thanks for listening can't thank you all enough for for the love the show has received in the past couple of months and i really appreciate it all right matt 7898 on monday see you next week